Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. If you have your Bibles, go ahead. And I got three different verses. If it's too hard to keep up, um, they'll be on the screen. Starting out in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, and everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Second verse is in James chapter 1. Starting in verse 22, James chapter 1, 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like somebody who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom And continues in it, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Finally, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray together one more time this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you that your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Lord, you tell us that you send your word out to accomplish the things that you desire it to do. It never returns to you empty, it never returns to you void, but it will accomplish what it was sent out for. So Lord, we ask that you would accomplish in us this morning everything that you desire to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Um, This morning I wanna talk to you about Threshold Living. I have absolutely loved this series that Aaron's been leading us through, um, this idea of Threshold Living, because the the idea of thresholds is, is super important because a threshold is something that you cross, and when you cross, you are entering into something. And typically, when you cross a threshold, you are entering into uh, a relationship that is more committed, a relationship that is deeper than the one you experienced before, and a relationship that is more fruitful than you've ever experienced before as well. And so uh, last weekend, we were at a wedding, and this wedding was beautiful and incredible, and Dawson and Emma stood up at the front, and they were exchanging their vows, and in that moment, what was happening was they were entering, or they were crossing a threshold in their relationship, and they were entering into a, a, a more committed relationship of life. They were entering into deeper love together, and ultimately, 
They were entering into a season in life where their love and their commitment would be more fruitful than ever before. This is the idea of threshold living. And we are being invited by the Lord himself to enter into a place that is more committed, that is more uh, loving and deeper in that love. And a life with Christ that would be more fruitful than anything that we have ever experienced with him before because once you cross that threshold, there is no going back. There is an expectation of not returning to the place that you were because after you cross a threshold, it's only forward motion. Does that make sense? And so I love this idea of threshold living. And so today I want to continue to talk about the word and this idea of a lifelong partnership with God through the word. Are we making sense? Am I, I, I kind of have this, this proclivity of running fast and breaking things. And so um, I, I really want to just cover three things this morning. I want to cover uh, what is the Bible, what is God's word? I want to cover what it means to be a doer of the word. And then I, thirdly, I just want to cover real quick some of the dangers that we might face if we neglect the word. And then we'll wrap it up, like Aaron said, in a pretty little bow and you can go home and have a great afternoon. Um, for those of you who are note takers, because I'd like to run fast and break things, I kind of already put all my pre-made notes for you up on the screen. So if you want to write things down and I talk way too fast, you'll be able to keep up. I promise. All right, let's dive in. Point number one, what is the Bible? What is God's word? What are we looking at? When I was growing up, I was, um, I don't know, I was in high school, and, and the, the, the acronym that they gave the Bible to help understand the Bible was Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth right? The Newsboys came out with a song, like, basic instructions. Not the new Newsboys, but the old Newsboys, right? Where they all had accents. And they're like, oh, basic instructions before. The... And I was like, okay, that's cool. And but then as I grew older, I started to feel like uh, th that's a great explanation of what the Bible is, basic instructions before leaving earth. But it kind of underwhelms the idea of what the Bible really is, right? It kind of falls short of what everything God's word is really all about. And then as I grew older and I started studying and I did all these different things, I started hearing about how the Bible was something called, you hear guys talk about this, like the Bible is infallible, right? All my reform people are like, yes, he used the I word. And I'm like, yes, and amen, uh, uh, and what happens is we can also take those things and end up taking them too far. Because I heard a guy talking about the Bible being infallible, and then what he ends up explaining is, I believe infallible is our new Shibatheth. I'm like, what? I believe that the Bible or the infallible is our new Shibboleth. So if you don't know what Shibboleth is, it was actually a city um, in the ancient world. And in the book of Judges, you can read about it. And Israel was allies with people from Shibboleth. And as the allies came in and said, we're being under attack, we need your help, the enemies of Israel started disguising themselves as allies with Israel, but they couldn't say Shibboleth or Shibbatheth or whatever the name is. <laughs> I can't even do it without having a bad accent, right? And so whenever they would approach, like, hey, we're allies. And Israel was like, oh, yeah, where are you from? 
And they're like, we're from Sibboleth. <laughs> hey, what's your name? And um, <laughs> we're from... Now, if you laughed, y'all need to repent too because you know where that came from, sinners. And if they say it with the wrong accent, then Israel would kill them. And to make that, like to associate that with God's word, if you don't, to, to put such a standard that says, if you don't believe in God's word the way that I believe in God's word and, and identify it exactly how I say you should identify it, then you are no longer a Christian and you have become an enemy of God. I was like, bro, that's a little over the top because I don't even think Having that argument describes very well what God's word is. And so we fall into these confusions and all of these different things that help, uh, that, that, that cause us to, to become resistant to even understanding the word of God. And so as Aaron said, uh, myself and uh, uh, Joseph B. Savage, uh, Joe Savage and I, we, um, we, we teach the school of ministry. Um, and we do a class called the Bible at 30,000 feet. And when we teach our class about the Bible at 30,000 feet and all the major themes, this is how we um, define what the Bible is. It is the Bible is a unified, coherent, and ongoing story of God's redemptive work in the world. That's how we identify Scripture. It is a unified, coherent, and ongoing story of God's redemptive work in the world. So what do I mean by that? Let's start with unified. Can I have picture number one, please? There it is, the Holy Bible. Uh, the Bible is made up of 66 different books, and they were written by 40 different authors over the course of 1,500 years. Think back 1,500 years ago. Um, I can't even, I don't even know what was happening in 1,500 years ago. And it was happening on, they, they wrote the Bible on three different continents, in three different languages, with zero contradictions and zero historical errors. And some of you who are skeptics and maybe even atheistic in your thought, I get it, I understand. Because your red flags just went up and went, aha! There's, what was the word? Contradictions. And there are errors in the Bible. And I hear you. I hear where you're coming from. I hear the concern you have, and I would challenge you, there are answers for those questions that people say are there. And if those are questions that you have, see Joseph B. Savage, <laughs> and he'll answer them for you. And it's so good. It's so good. But this is what I mean by the Bible is unified. Because something that was written uh, 66 different ways uh, over 40 different authors in 1,500 years, languages and continents, things that were written like that, and still the story is completely unified. How does that even happen? Let me give you one guess. Three words. Yes, it was God. Good job. Um, <laughs> Here's the third thing. Oh, the second thing. It's not just unified, but it's coherent. Can I get picture number two? Has anybody ever seen this chart before? This is a beautiful chart. This is all the cross-references that are in Scripture. That big line right in the middle is where the Old Testament divides into the New Testament, right? And all these references, there's over 6,000 different cross-references listed on that chart. And that when we say that the Bible is coherent, what we're saying is that the Bible logically and consistently supports itself. 
right? Because it's not, because it's unified and not just unified in the story, but it's unified in the way that it supports itself in a logical and reasonable sense. And you can go anywhere in scripture and within just a handful of verses, you can see that scripture is pointing back to another scripture and that scripture itself might be pointing forward to another scripture. And it just goes back and forth, back and forth over 6,000 times. And the word of God is a unified and coherent and an ongoing story. This is, I think, is probably the most important part. The fact that the word of God is an ongoing story that started at the beginning of creation and didn't continue on till the book of Revelation, but it's a story that still is continuing on today. The story of God started in the garden and is continuing even now. And the thing that's most important about understanding Scripture as a unified and coherent ongoing story is we have to know where the story has been in order to accurately know where the story is going. Does that make sense? We have to know where the story has been in order to understand where the story is going and to understand it accurately. And some of you might say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, didn't the Bible say that God is doing a new thing? Yeah, he might be doing a new thing with the new people, but he's not doing a new thing with himself. But, but didn't, didn't Jesus say the new, or, or, the new wine was better? Well, I think that was actually the guy that was drinking the wine. And I said, hey, this new wine is better. And even still, there is a consistency about God that never changes. The scripture says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the God who was, the God who is, and the God who's always going to be. That might be Matt Redman. I don't know, but I think that's scripture. (laughs) But he also said he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. And I know where he was at in the beginning, but since we're still here, I don't think we've reached the end yet. And so there is a consistency that happens in knowing and trusting God in his story because God himself has been consistent from the beginning and is consistent even now. And so we can trust the story because when we know where the story has been, we can accurately know where the story is going. And you can say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, what is the story? The story is this, that it has always been God's plan to partner with his people to continue his ongoing redemptive work throughout the world. Joseph, am I making sense? Perfect. And then what we do is we don't like to dig into the point where we know the whole unified, coherent, and ongoing story. And we like to just have pieces of the story. This isn't going to cut it. Because if we don't have an accurate understanding of the whole story, what the story has been, we have an inaccurate direction of where the story is going. The book of Psalms says, without vision, the people perish. Why? Because vision is what we know is the, 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 the target that we're aiming at and heading towards. The word of God is our target. The word of God is our vision. And the story of God has been partnering with his people 
for the redemptive work that he continues to do throughout the world. Yes and amen? Not too bad. Not too bad. Let's go to uh, point number two. Point number two is how do we become doers of the word? This is where it gets interesting, right? So now that we know what the word is, how then do we become doers of the word so that we know how to live the word out accurately in our lives? Now, I need you to listen to me on this point because I never, never, never want to communicate just try harder. Like all you have to do is just try harder or do more work or strive a little bit more. I have guys in my life like, like Cody Quarter and Transformation Dave who, who give us constant reminders that, that listen, this is about God's grace. It's about God's presence in your life and the transforming work in your life. Because sometimes if you've been raised in a, uh, what's, what's a work harder culture like I have, sometimes you fall back in bad habits. And so I'm thankful for men who are in my life to remind me that this is about a movement of grace that God is doing in us. And so when we talk about being doers of a word, being a doer of the word is the embodiment, is the key word there, embodiment of partnering with God in his ongoing redemptive work in the world. Being a doer of the word is the embodiment of the partnering with God in his ongoing redemptive work in the world. I really, really, really appreciate how Aaron has helped us understand this idea of it, that the Bible is not just information, right? It's not just head knowledge that we try to obtain. It's not just information that we gather here, but it's information that has to be gathered here and digested here, going from our heads to our hearts. And he says we have to have information, which through the power of the Holy Spirit turns into revelation, and through the continual work of the Holy Spirit turns into transformation. Information, revelation, transformation. We have to have all three. Because if we just have information, what we are having, if information alone turns into pride. If all we have is information, it just puffs us up and we get proud. Have you ever known anybody who was just a know-it-all and walked around and just tried to correct you all the time? Well, as a matter of fact, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, and I quote from the 1619 Geneva <laughs> Authorized Transition Translation. I mean, for real. I used to run in circles with guys like this. Um, Information alone will always end up just making you proud. But look at this. If you get the information and you start to seek the Lord, the Lord will begin to give you revelation. How many of you know that to be true? But if you get stuck at revelation, if all you do is receive revelation, but you don't let it have its perfect work in you, if all you do is receive revelation and you don't let the Holy Spirit work it out in your life, you start to develop a superiority complex. Revelation without transformation is a superiority complex. And we've seen guys like this, right? Like, I'm the only one that can do this for you. The Lord gave me the revelation. You hear them on TV a lot. I was the only one who ever got a real glimpse of heaven. Or the Lord gave me the power to see what kind of demons are in your life. And I'm the only one that can pray those things away. 
Or I'm the only one that has this incredible gift of healing. And if you've never been healed because of people praying for you before, I'm the, do you get what I'm saying? Am I overdoing it? <laughs> she said, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Trick question. And so we have, if you, if you get stuck in revelation, you develop a superiority complex over it. And so information has to give way to revelation, and revelation has to give way to transformation. And you know that transformation is actually taking place because in the process of transformation, you start to develop something called illumination, right? This was a little seed that Mr. Ronnie Eskridge planted in me a while back. That illumination is this. It is the Holy Spirit empowering the word of God into action within the life of the believer. Illumination is when the Holy Spirit begins to empower the word of God into action in the life of the believer. When I was in college, I was actually right out of college, and um, I was in, I was working, and uh, I was about 21, 22 years old, um, and just radically depressed. I was working at a boy's home. I was working overnight. I was sitting at my desk, and I was just minutes away from being able to delete myself. I had a whole drawer full of pills that the kids would take, um, uh, psychotropic medications, I guess. And uh, I was going to take a handful of them. I was going to go to sleep, and I was never going to wake up. And in that moment, the Lord met me in my office, and he said, Jeremiah, do you like your life? I said, no, I hate my life. And he said, what would you do if I told you I could give you a better life. I said, I would do anything. He said, good, because you're going to have to do everything I tell you to do. He gave me some instructions. I said, okay, boom. The moment was over, and I went to sleep that night, and I woke up the next morning, never taking a pill. And when I woke up the next morning, I had a brand new life. Like, it was legitimately supernatural. The depression was gone, the, 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 all of it. The ideations were gone. Clean slate. But what else happened was really, really interesting. Was now, see, let me give you a little bit of context. I went to college for a ministry degree. And when I was in college for this ministry degree, I learned, well, let me just rephrase that. I was taught a lot of information. I was taught a lot of information. I retained a little bit of information. And I graduated by the skin of my teeth, which for those of you who don't know, your teeth don't have skin. Um, and I, to, I told the eight o'clock service, I was like, yay, C's tick degrees. C's get degrees is what I was trying to say. Um, I didn't even know who Paul and Peter were. I thought they were the same person, right? Because I knew that Peter maybe had his name changed, so I thought his name was changed from Peter to Paul, and I was just lamb blasted with misinformation when it comes to Scripture. Until I woke up that morning after having an encounter with the Lord, and I opened my Bible, and something miraculous happened. The Word of God became alive to me. Yeah. It became alive to me. Why? Because the Spirit of God was in it, and the Spirit of God was in me. 
Because here's the thing. We read this in in 2 Timothy, that all Scripture is God-breathed. It is the breath of life that God himself breathed into the Scriptures. This is why we say that God wrote the Bible. Even though there was, what was that, 40 different authors? 44 different, I don't remember. Um, that, that, that even though man wrote it down, God breathed his life into it. This is why, like I, th- I saw something the other day uh, about Will Smith's wife. She's like, I've read the Bible and uh, none of it worked. That's because you can't just stop at information. There has to be something more that happens. And the same, uh, in Genesis, God formed Adam out of the dust. And when he made Adam, he did something very specific with him. He breathed life into his nostrils and just, and he became a living being. In the same way, all scripture is God breathed, meaning God breathed his life into these scriptures. And so when there is a man or woman um, who has the breath of life of God in them, And there is the scriptures who has the breath of life of God in them. And they meet each other. The Holy Spirit begins to do a fascinating work in your life. And that fascinating work is the Holy Spirit begins empowering the word of God into action in your life. And since that day, I've never made a decision without going to the Lord and going to the word and finding the place where the two light up with, with spiritual life. It was every single job I've ever had. I went to the word and I went to the Lord and I said, I need to know. When, when, when I, I had to make a move, I asked the Lord, where am I supposed to move to? I go to the word. I go to the Lord. He lights it up. I went, um, man, I met this really pretty girl one time. And, and she, she wanted to date me. She wanted to go out. And I said, hold on. I need to go ask the Lord first. So I went camping for like two days. And I got out by the lake, set up my tent, started a fire. And I prayed. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do about this relationship? And I got in the Word. And I got into prayer. And the Spirit and the Word met me in that moment. And life began. And I said, I'm coming back. Um, we're going to start dating. And we're going to get married. And we got married. We've been married for, that was like 14 years ago. We got four kids. Life is wild. Um, (laughs) But it was because the word of God moved mightily in my life in an illuminating way, helping me understand not just what the knowledge and information is, but what is the action behind it. Now listen, again, hear me. I'm not saying Just go read your Bible more. Listen to this. I'm not even saying read your Bible and be obedient. Because information and obedient just breeds self-righteousness. What I am saying, and I I taught this to our class last week. We were talking about sanctification, but it really fits well um, with with illumination as well. That that when you are, are seeking transformation and illumination, it is, it is like dancing with God in a way that God is initiating the move and you are responding, right? God takes the lead, we respond. God takes the lead, I don't dance, we respond. God takes the lead. I told my sister-in-law I was gonna pull her up here for this illustration and she said, no, thank you. Initiates the lead and we respond. 
This is how illumination works. You get into the word. You see what the word is saying. You go to the Lord for revelation. He begins to pour out revelation on you. That revelation begins to transform your heart because you're faced kind of a crossroad. Am I going to follow the Lord in the truth of the word or am I going to resist the word? And if you follow the Lord into the word, illumination begins to take place and the Lord will initiate you surrender. Have you ever tried to dance with somebody? You're like, I'll take the lead. And they're like, no, I'll take the lead. <laughs> oh, it's terrible dancing. I don't even dance. And I know that's terrible. We have to surrender and follow. The Lord leads, we follow. These are some good waltzing steps right here. Just dancing around, dancing around. Don't try harder. Listen for the invitation for the Lord to lead and for you to follow. And then you will see the Holy Spirit empowering the word into action within your life. So what is the word? It's the unified, coherent, ongoing story of God's redemptive work within the world. How do we become doers of the word? We allow transformation, or we allow information to move to revelation, to move to transformation, establishing illumination inside of us. What if we don't want to do that? There's some dangers. There's some dangers for neglecting the word. Uh, one of my favorite things about our Bible class is when people get these aha moments and they start to recognize things for the first time. Like, I never saw that before. Maybe it was because you never read that before. And... Um, one of the things that, that people tend to be so surprised of is there's a, there's a really weird cycle that in the Old Testament that the nation of Israel goes through. Um, they're good with God, and God is blessing them. And then at some point in time, um, they commit idolatry, and that idolatry uh, leads them to uh, be overtaken by their enemies, and their enemies attack. And when the enemies attack and they're overtaken by their enemies, they get sad and cry out to God, God, save us. And God's like, okay. And they go again. And they go through this cycle over and over. Almost every single king that Israel has goes through this cycle. Why? Because there is, um, towards the end of the Old Testament, we come to find out after going through the whole story that Israel's biggest sin was that they kept forgetting God's word. That was their greatest sin. Like towards the end of, of everything they were experiencing, there was a king named Josiah. He was only eight years old. What? I've never heard that before. Maybe because you've never read that before. And, and he's like, hey, look, I found some scripture in a vault back in the back somewhere. We should read it and try to obey it. But it was kind of like a little too little, a little too late, because right after Josiah, they like, I'll just put that back again. We're going to follow God's word. And they were, Israel was turned over into exile to Babylon. And later the, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, they were turned over to Persia. And they went into exile. And all this to be said, if we choose to neglect God's word, the worst thing that can happen is that the Lord will just turn us over to our own consequences. 
the worst thing that can happen. Did it say that the Lord will leave you? Did it say that the Lord will reject you? Did it say that the Lord will hate you? Did it say that God wants nothing to do with you anymore? You can't even be obedient. Get out of here. No. No, it didn't. It just said the worst thing that can happen, that the Lord will turn you over to your own consequences. We read this in Romans 1, right? That they said, uh, Paul says that, that they worship and serve to all the created things instead of the creator. This is the definition of idolatry, right? So fill in the blank. Because the worst thing that can happen is we get turned over to our own consequences. Secondly, the best thing that can happen is that you'll just be immature, but the consequence of that is you'll be tossed around by deception all the time. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us this, that we are tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching and deceit. We don't know who to believe because when you don't know the whole story and you don't know how to continue to partner with God in living out the story, what ends up happening is you know parts of the story and then you're not getting what you thought you were going to receive and so you get upset and you throw a tantrum about it and then you're just like, where's God when I need him? Like, bro, you didn't know where the story was going because you didn't know where the story's been. And you got lost along the way and you're looking for something and all you got was deception and you fell for it. See, here's the reality. Godliness comes through discipline. A continual training of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's how you love the Lord with all of that. There's a continual training. That training leads to godliness. But look at this. Godlessness comes by default. What does that mean? When you choose to do nothing and you neglect the necessary things, you just default back into where you came from. If the work of the Lord is a redemptive work in the world, where did we come from? We came from sin and destruction. So when we default, what do we default back to? We default back to sin and destruction. And then we find ourselves in the worst situation where the Lord is just allowing us to be turned over to our own consequences. Let me wrap it up right here. I got four minutes. I can preach for four minutes. Um, I'm going to land this plane. Let's, let's wrap it up right here. Um, you might be thinking, how then um, am I supposed to know the whole word of God? How am I supposed to know the whole story? This book is huge. It'll take forever. And, and I don't even know where to begin. You can begin at the beginning. But my best, my best advice is to take the lead from the first church in the book of Acts. It says that they were committed to gathering together and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. If you want to grow in the Word of God and you want to know the unified, uh, coherent, ongoing story of God's redemptive work in the world, find some people. We got some great leaders who do a lot of great house churches stuff. Thomas and Lauren Joyce will get you connected in a house church with a lot of great people. How connected are you? And secondly, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Ask yourself this question. If you want to know the word, how devoted to the word are you going to be to get there? Because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What did the apostles teach? They taught what Jesus taught. What did Jesus teach? He taught the Old Testament. Well, why didn't Jesus teach the New Testament? Because it wasn't written yet. All that to be said, there is a place where you can come to know the story of God from beginning to end. 
once you know that story, there is a place where the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate your life where you begin to live that story of participating in lifelong partnership. It doesn't stop once you get to a certain place. There is no point of arrival. You get to this place and you move forward yes. in continuing this lifelong partnership with God and with the Word and partnering in Him with His redemptive work in the world. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day-to-day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.